This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Super Bowl completed. You always got to do a little bit of a recap on that as you ease into the next sports. Joining me now, Bernie Kukar. He worked the uh, Super Bowl as head referee more than once, including Tom Brady's first Super Bowl championship game. And uh, there's always going to be a few calls. And, and I think yesterday's, it was, um, you didn't notice the officials much until the last couple of minutes. He joins us. Now, Bernie, how are the slopes at Lutzen treating you? They were terrific today. Bright really? sunshine, not many skiers there. Most, most of them went home from the weekend, of course. And the snow was pretty good, so you can't ask for any better. No wind either. They got pretty good base of snow? Oh, yes. Not a problem up here. We have a lot of snow. So all you skiers, get up here. And snowmobiles. There's plenty of that, too. Mm, fun stuff. Bernie, you watched the game yesterday. You always do so. So, you know, you're watching, and, and you didn't, there, weren't, there, there, there was the one call that started the second half. Yeah. 75-yard. Like uh, yeah, the first play up the second yep. half. Yep. And why was that not? I knew offense? you were going to ask about that one. Well, well you know, I have, it's a two-pronged question. One is, I mean, he actually got Ramsey's face mask and everything. He made a yeah. <laughs> made a great yeah. move on it. But but the, 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 you know, after that play, famous playoff game with New Orleans, everybody said you got to make interference reviewable. I've never seen any interference called on review, so nobody challenges it. Explain this rule. Interference, you mean? No, not interference. But but you remember after the playoff game, they said you got to make it so you can challenge an interference call. You know? Oh, oh yeah. Well, that was in last year, and because of all the controversy they had with it, and I told I talked to those people when they uh, were going to input that into the system, and I said you're opening up a big can of worms here if you do that, because the whole idea originally was. The replay was not going to be used for any foul calls except one, and that was if there was too many guys out on the field at one point. But when you put it in there, and if you recall, even the Vikings got burned on it on one situation. I can't remember all the details. But, yeah, that was put in for one year, and they found out that they did open up a can of worms on that thing, and so it was taken off the books for this year. So, so when you see a play like that, 
and obviously we see it in slow motion. What happens? Right. How does one miss something like that? Is it because it happens so quick and there's just yeah. there's you know both hands you know both the defender and and the receiver are engaged and it's hard to I mean why does that happen? Well, I'll tell you what happened on this one. I think that the uh, side judge there just kind of got got surprised because of the first play of the second half. And I did look at that again uh, later after that happened, and again tonight, because I knew you were going to ask about that one. <laughs> and that side judge, he was he is supposed to be five yards in front of the deepest guys. That was his man on that sideline. Okay. So he should have been a buffer zone five yards down from where that happened. And he got caught standing. I just looked at the play. He got caught flat-footed standing there and didn't move until it was actually too late. He's 10 yards away from it. So you can imagine if you're 10 yards behind the play, there's no way he's going to see that face mask kind of deal. And the other thing that comes into it is maybe the back judge could pick that up. But then when, when I looked at it again, there is a receiver that's cutting right over the middle and he's heading right at the back judge. That's the back judge's guy. And so he was probably more interested in seeing what was this guy up to before he could switch over and see that the ball was not going to be thrown to him but over on the sideline. So actually, the side judge got caught flat-footed is what happened. So, so how does it work with the crew? Do, do you If you see something that you know is a foul but it's not in your zone, so to speak, it's not in front of you, do you assume that if you see it and it's a foul that they didn't see it and you throw your flag? How, how does a unit decide that? Well, they would come together. If the back judge threw the flag and the side judge didn't, then the back judge probably would have went over there and said, did you see anything? And then that's when the side judge would have probably said to him, darn it, I got caught flat-footed on that one. No, I don't see anything, but if you got it from your angle, fine, we're going to go with it. That's usually when you see two officials or two or three or even four sometimes come together. That's normally what happens. But, but you got to make sure that you saw it. If you're, you know, if you're twenty, yeah. thirty yards away, you better make darn sure yeah. that you saw what you saw, right? Oh yes. As a referee, that was my job. When something like that happened, I'd go running down there and I'd say, "Okay, side judge, how come you didn't throw the flag on it? That was definitely in your zone." And the back judge says, "I don't know why he didn't, but the fall is there, and you can tell when you're looking him in the eyes." If he knows for sure, uh, or if he says, oh, I'm not quite sure, you can tell by just looking at him at the situation. Now, in this day and age, are you getting a peek from that jumbotron often? No, you don't You don't have time to look up there, believe but, but, me. But, I mean, as they're replaying it, as you, like, let's say you're huddling? What do you mean, after the play is over? Yeah. Well, sometimes you might peek if on a play like that. Because <laughs> you just want to get it right, right? I mean, that's the bottom yeah, line. Right, yeah. But it's too late then. You can't do anything. The play is over, and when they show it up there, you can't go throwing a flag in there at that point. They used to tell us that we we do not want you guys to look at those jumbotrons. Yeah, but bad form, huh? Let somebody yeah, else look at those. Yeah, so, but by the next play that happens, and then you usually they usually throw it up there after the next play then you might take a peek at it, but you certainly can't throw the flag after the play is long gone. That's for sure. Okay, so so now I heard Gene Seratory talking um, on the radio. He said they're asking about refereeing a Super Bowl, and he says you remind the crew that you ain't fishing for minnows; you're fishing for whales. 
That's exactly right. That's a great line, isn't it? So let's not get caught up in the ticky-tack. These guys know how to play the game or they wouldn't be here. Let's just make sure we don't have bad plays, you know, bad fouls that we miss that determine the game. That's exactly right. I I taught Gino that trick. He was on my crew the first year he was in the league. Really? (laughs) He he pretty good? Oh, yeah. He was really good. No question about that. But, yeah, that's exactly what you tell him in the locker room before you go out on a what I used to say is, okay, boys, now we're not calling anything unless the entire stadium knows what it is. Ah. So, uh, uh, the so-called ticky-tacks, you don't fool around with that in playoff games and or Super Bowls because this is, you know, it's for all the marbles. And if it's a regular season, you know, these guys probably commit more falls during the regular season because they know there's another tomorrow. Well, you get in the playoffs or the Super Bowl, there are no more tomorrow. So you've got to make darn sure that you get the good, the big ones, and don't worry about the pity little things. Now, now I'm watching these last two minutes. Now, um, the Rams are, you know, they're, they're down to, they, they've lost um, right. uh, key players, right? Higby yeah. and Beckham, et cetera. And, and again, it's like everybody in the stadium knows, well, they're going to try to throw the ball to Cooper Cup. Do the referees need to anticipate that? Do, do they? Do you need to play the game with, with strategically with the teams that says, okay, they're going to do everything they can to prevent Cooper Cup from making a catch here. Therefore, there's a good chance they're going to put hands on him, get physical with him, hold him with the line of scrimmage. Do you have to anticipate that or not? Well, I don't think as a, an official down on the field you anticipate that. You say to yourself, hey, there's critical situations coming up here, and if we get a past us in my zone, I better be in a good position to see what's going to happen here. So, but that that definitely happens. And then they, if you recall, there's some timeouts involved there, so the crews usually get together and say, boy, we got to pay attention because there needs to be some crossing patterns here. And I don't know if you realize it, but the three deep guys, they're like there's a zone defense back there. They all have like three, one-third of the field to be looking at. And the problem usually comes when you got crossing receivers that cross because the guy from the side sometimes, when his guy cuts over the middle and another guy's coming back at him, they have to let that one go and pick up the other one. And sometimes it's right on the seam where they got to leave him go, let the back judge get him, or pick the new guy coming up across. And that's when sometimes they miss the, those types of plays because it's right at the seam where they're releasing their man and taking the guy that's coming across. Okay, Bernie Kukar is our guest, former head referee in the NFL, talking about yesterday's Super Bowl. So we get down to the last two minutes, and, and it's this, this drive, which is going to be a semi-famous drive. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I forget, number 55, the linebacker for Cincinnati, gets called for an interference, and, and you watch it. Technically, were his hands on him? Yeah, but were they were they, were they both playing kind of hand wrestling, etc.? Yeah. Uh, how, how do you know? I, I, I mean, is it because his hand was on the back? Does that autom- Is that like an automatic or what? No, if his hand is just... On the back, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. He, he was kind of trailing him a little bit, maybe alongside of him, and his hand was on the back. But if that doesn't do anything, he's got to turn him a little bit from that hand being there. If there's no turn, if he's just reaching around and gets at the ball, but his hand is just sitting on the back without anything going on there, that's not a fall. But if there's a grab of the shirt, too, at the same time, sometimes that happens, it may not be pass interference. It could possibly be defensive holding, too. Sure. That happens. 
Did you think, though, so, so in the last two minutes, people say, oh, man, the, the game was flowing, and then all of a sudden the referees started to get involved. Do they get involved, or is it they get involved because the stakes are so high for Cincinnati to give up a touchdown that the nature of the way they play the game changed, and they started holding and, and, and yep, playing yep. the game differently? Oh, yeah, don't forget. They were down on about the, what, six-yard line or so? Yeah. And Cincinnati knows that they have got to stop them, or this game is probably going to get going to get away from them. Yeah. So they might be doing a little bit more if they get beat a little bit. There, there was a particular play on the sidelines where there was interference in the end zone, and it was hard to see, but then when they slow-mowed it, you could see the defender was pulling on the shirt yep. of the receiver, and two flags came out on that one. Now, you've got to make a decision here. Well, was that pull actually affecting the play? Well, in this league, if they grab a hold of the shirt, you can bet they took a half a step away from that receiver. Yep. So that's what you go go by. Yeah, and, you, and, you, and then you have to calculate, right? Is a half a step could be a touchdown, right? Exactly, exactly. That's all they need is that half a step. And, and if the defender is beaten, he knows that, so he's going to try to slow that receiver down by that little pull and hope that the officials don't see it. Bernie Kukar is our guest. Now, after a season like this, you know, they, they review everything on a weekly basis and, and, and they go from there and they, you know, they, they make their decisions on what to do. How does it work? Do, do they look at everything that happened in totality, number of penalties, et cetera, and say, okay, here's some changes we need to make. Um, let, let's change this penalty is getting called too often. What happens? Well, no, I don't think they'll be. We'll look at the trends that happen during the course of the year. And they'll look at anything that even if you wanted to send in a request, for example, that's what the competition committee does. They will look at everything and decide if they need to change the rules someplace. And I got involved about two or three of those kind of situations. They used to bring a referee in when the competition committee met and discussed all this stuff. And then when they're actually discussing about changing the rule of some type, they would ask the referee who was sitting there with them, how are we going to officiate this if we make this change? And so they're looking for input on that. And I remember one time when uh, Mike Holmgren was in charge of that committee, they usually have, at that time, they had three coaches, three general managers, and three owners on the competition committee. And they're the ones that make suggestions to the owners. The owners are are the guys that have the last say and if they're going to change anything. So in this particular instance, when they were all done discussing whatever it is that they were discussing, Holmgren turned to me and he says, well, do you have anything? And I said, yeah. I said, tell me, at that time, I said, tell me why we have five different penalties for illegal touching. And all those guys sat there looking at me like, what are you talking about? So I listed them. And then they looked at each other and said, well, what should we do? I said, change it. One penalty, or I should say one penalty for all of those illegal touches and make life easier for everybody. And they did. And so that was a case where you know you get it right, you get it better, and and, and, yeah. and you move on. Now I remember there used to be a theory that whoever, when the coaches were on the competition committee, that she had to watch them and see if they were trying to change the rules in favor of their roster. In other words, you know, if it was a a light oh, yeah. roster on the offensive line, they they wanted more latitude on holding, sure. et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Do you have to watch that? 
Oh, yeah. Well, that's what the competition committee is for. Is to make because, sure like there's I checks said, and balances? They'll, they'll send in suggestions, and if, uh, you know, if some team feels that there was so much holding going on that they want to call it a little tighter, they would look at all of that stuff and say, no, 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 we're okay with that. This is the kind of stuff we want covered right here. We don't worry about all the little stuff that don't affect anything. So, yeah, they, each coach has a pet peeve that he sends in there, and that is discussed by the entire committee, and then the, the uh, recommendations are made to the owners when they get together about a month after the competition committee gets together. Last question, Bernie. How, how many referees in a normal year will be replaced, and and what's the attrition rate, and how, ma- how many will just be told, hey, you're not good enough here anymore, we got somebody better than you? How, how does that work? Well, that's, a, that's where a rating system comes in. Now, the officials are rated on every single play of every single game all season long. And it's not necessarily just if they made the right call or if they missed the call. It's also, are you in your, are you where you're supposed to be? If you're out of position or those things. So you, if you are, you get downgraded for all those. And at the end of the year, then they just, they total up all the points. And whoever is the highest rated at their position, those guys are going into the Super Bowl. And the second highest rated guys are going into the championship games and so on down the line. Now, if your ratings are such that you haven't gotten a playoff for four or five or six years, chances are they're going to say to you, well, I think maybe you better start, start looking at doing something else. Uh-huh. And, and will most of them go to the college but, game then, or what happens? Well, once they're done with the NFL, I don't recall any of them that go back to the college level. Okay, they just they just basically retire, and, and that's the end of it. But uh, I would to answer your question directly. In my day, it usually was around something like seven percent were were changed either for natural attrition or because they weren't getting the job done. I got you, but there there is something they're held accountable for. And, and I promised the last question. How might when, when you factor in all that stuff, or in the right position, you make the right call? Where does communication come into that? Is, is there a box for that that says, "Hey, you know, this guy"? We keep getting complaints that that he the coaches can't get answers from him. The players don't like working with him when they ask him questions. He's not engaged. Does that come into effect or not? Oh, I think that if that comes in. It's going to be uh, into the league office, and that's where. The guys sitting up in New York are going to, if they hear enough of those kind of situations from more than one coach, I mean, uh, it's got to come from a half a dozen or eight of them. If they, if they hear the same thing coming from six or eight coaches, then they're going to look into it pretty tight. But if they're, you know, there's always a coach that he just gets upset because he thinks the official blew a call. Well, yeah, nobody's perfect in this right. business. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. We're hitting about, that's the one thing that the replay system did when it first came in. It showed that we were hitting on about 94 to 95% on the calls. Yeah. So if anything, it, it enhanced the, the outlook of the officials in the eyes of the people that are watching these games. Well, I always thought you were at the top of the charts. I never would have challenged you on any call, Bernie. <laughs> You'd be the only one in the world. <laughs> Bernie, thank you so much. Uh, ski straight tomorrow. I will try. Always appreciate your offers, buddy. Thanks for calling. We'll talk to you again, Mike. You bet. Bernie Kukar. Interesting to go behind the scenes with the Super Bowl referee, isn't it? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.